Hello, this is Mike Burek, your host and producer of Krenitsa, The Well, a podcast series about interesting and remarkable Ukrainians from around the globe. Today is Monday, March 21st, 2022. And this episode is produced for The Ukrainian Weekly, a newspaper covering the global Ukrainian community since 1933. Our guest for this episode is Professor Serhii Plochi, who is the Mikhailo Hrushevsky Professor of Ukrainian History at Harvard University, and also the director of the Harvard Ukrainian Research Institute. Welcome, Professor Plochi. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Thank you for having me on your show and your podcast. Yes, thank you so much for joining us today. So to start off with, I would like you to give a little bit of background on uh, your professional and career background. Uh, I am a historian. I teach Ukrainian and East European history at Harvard, and I direct the Ukrainian Research Institute at the Harvard University. So exactly as you, uh, as you said earlier, Uh, In terms of my uh, academic background, I started as a scholar of early modern Ukraine, in particular the Cossack era, and the religious relations in Ukraine in the 16th and 17th centuries. And uh, then I evolved to uh, writing on the the later periods and later topics dealing in particular with the 20th century, with Ukrainian history, but also with international history of Europe and the world. So I wrote on the Yalta conference, which has direct relation to Ukraine and its borders, but it's also a major international event uh, and uh, the fall of the Soviet Union. Uh, So again, in terms of my my interests, academic interests, they cover the last maybe 500 years of Ukrainian history, but I look at it as a history that is happening in the international, in a broader context, European and global in general. Thank you, Professor. So last week, I was listening to a webinar from the U.S.-Ukraine Business Council, and they featured the ambassador of Ukraine to the U.S., Oksana Makarova. And during the interview, she made this quote. She said, this is the 21st day of an eight-year war that has been fought for 400 years. Do you agree with that statement? And if so, what do you think about it? Well, uh, what is there is a reminder to to the American audience and, and the world in general that the war against Ukraine was not just launched by Russia the previous months in February, that the war is going on in Ukraine since 2014, since the annexation of the Crimea in March of 2014, and then the war in the bus started. Uh, and that is that is something that has been has been forgotten or overlooked. Uh, Germany was going ahead with the construction and certification of the um, Nord Stream 2 pipeline like there was no war in Europe, like nothing happened. Uh, So I think this is a very important reminder that while in February, what we got was an all out war, the war itself started early. 
And uh, in terms of the of the longer history of that war, again, I think the, the, there is a point there as well, very important point. Uh, even if you look at the pronouncements of uh, President Putin and the way how he justifies the war, he argues that there is no such thing as separate Ukrainian nation, that Russians and Ukrainians are one and the same. And this is at least goes back to the 19th century and the prohibition of the publications in Ukrainian language that lasted for more than 40 years and that were based on the same on the same premises that there has not been ever been Ukrainian language or Ukrainian culture, Ukrainian nation, and shouldn't such things shouldn't exist. Indeed, this war has uh, much deeper roots than even the. March of 2014, when the actual warfare had started. Professor, the president of Russia, Vladimir Putin, says that he invaded Ukraine to, quote, demilitarize and denazify Ukraine, as well as to bring to justice those who have perpetrated crimes against civilians, including citizens of the Russian Federation. What is your reaction to that statement? Uh, my reaction is that it's 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 a bizarre statement. Uh, I also think that it's not really the, 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 there is no calculation that something like that would work anywhere outside of the Russian Federation, because to talk about denazification of the country that is led by president of the Jewish background, the only Jewish president anywhere in the world outside of Israel, with the Minister of Defense being of Jewish background, with the, the country that is that is uh, very, um, the, the level of the tolerance and uh, cultural uh, diversity is, is almost unparalleled. Uh, that, 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 that is an absolute nonsense. Right, and uh, even the fact that we are discussing that and are forced to comment on that, uh, unfortunately, provides some form of legitimacy to that as, as an argument that one has to answer to. So maybe that's the, 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 that was the calculation. When it comes to demilitarization, uh, and and uh, that's uh, very clear what uh, what is that uh, what Putin has in mind. He wants uh, Ukraine not only not being a member of NATO, but also having no army and no ability to uh, defend and protect itself. And uh, the Ukraine under the Russian control uh, would certainly see the uh, pseudo, uh, pseudo trials or show trials of anyone who is a Ukrainian patriot and who defended Ukraine. So uh, these things are uh, are really very and very dangerous. It's 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 beyond just propaganda. I think that what what is there is is some reference to very real and very dangerous plans. So to dig a little bit deeper into the Russian psyche, what do you think about the reaction of the Russian people so far to the war in Ukraine? Uh, what what I think really comes from the latest polling data, where the absolute majority of the Russians support uh, Putin's war on Ukraine, and equally big number of Russians, again, 70, 80% more than that, 
would be okay with the attack on one of the countries of the European Union. And Poland is at the top of that list with it seems to me 75% of them supported. So uh, what, what that means is that we deal here not just with Putin's war, we deal here with the Russian aggression against Ukraine. And it's, there is no doubt that the Russians are being brainwashed by, the, by the, um, Putin's propaganda, but it is very clear also that uh, there is something very wrong with that society and that things has to be called and has to be given their names. It, it is a Russian aggression against Ukraine. Professor, I was doing some reading today in preparation for our interview, and I found out that you and your family actually were near the Chernobyl reactor in 1986 when the disaster occurred. Is that true? Well, uh, near would be by the standards of someone living in the United States at that time, but not near by the standards of, of Ukraine. So um, I, I lived at that time in the city that is called now Dnipro, used to be Dnipropetrovsk, approximately 400, 500 kilometers south from Chernobyl on the Dnipro River. So that was a big concern that if the water got poisoned by radiation, so it certainly would go down and would, would, would reach every, every city on the Dnipro, including our city, but that's, that was the, the level of, of proximity. So again, it all depends where, where you have been at that time and how you look at those things. But Chernobyl certainly is a very important part of my personal story, like almost every other Ukrainian. And my students uh, were recruited and, and sent to Chernobyl, some of my classmates. A lot of my friends went through Chernobyl, so again, it's, it's, it's more than just something that you learn uh, after watching HBO miniseries. It's, it's, it's part of life experience. And I know you actually have a new book coming out this spring called Atoms and Ashes, A History of Nuclear Disasters. What do you think about what the Russians have been doing in terms of, it seems to me like they're attacking nuclear power plants in Ukraine. For example, uh, I guess it was on March 2nd, the attack on the power plant in Zaporizhia. What is your view on this? Well, um, the book that you mentioned, Atoms and Ashes, uh, came out of the questions that I was asked from the audience, from the readers, after I published my book on Chernobyl. And in Chernobyl book, I was trying to, to document really the way in which the, 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 the Soviet regime brought about the, the disaster, the catastrophe, and how it was trying to cover it. And the question or comment that I heard, uh, especially from the American non-Ukrainian audience was, well, it's all good and nice, but do you think that it's only the Soviet regime that's is so reckless or, or is, is engaged in cover-up. And Atoms and Ashes, this is a look at six different nuclear uh, disasters with the attempt to answer that question, how unique was the Soviet behavior and the Soviet cover-up. And the conclusion is that it was unique, despite the fact that every government is not really happy to share bad news. 
And what I see in what is happening today in Ukraine is a continuation of this absolutely reckless behavior and continuation that is right there between the, the, the Soviet leadership and the Russian leadership today, uh, complete disregard for the safety of millions and millions of people, uh, and uh, attempt to use that for, for their purposes, whatever those political purposes are at that moment. So back in 1986, it was saving Soviet economy by launching more nuclear reactors. Now it is uh, attack on Ukraine and uh, terrorizing a nuclear terror with regard to the, to the population of Ukraine and the world in general. So I, I see a lot of a lot of continuation, a lot of commonality between what happened in Chernobyl in '86 and the Russian takeover of Chernobyl now, and Zaporizhia nuclear power plant as well, which is even more dangerous. Professor, we're almost out of time, but I did want to ask you one more question. What do you think might be the outcome of the Russia-Ukraine war? Do you think Putin will stay in power, and if not? Do you see any leaders in the background in Russia who might take over to actually change the thinking in Russia about Ukraine? I have no doubt that this war is the beginning of the end of Putin's regime, not just Putin. The question is how long that might take. Question difficult to answer, but of course the the better things turn out for, for Ukraine in this war, I would say the shorter would be would be the, the regime. Uh, probably almost everyone who, who was interested in the subject watched the um, TV reportage from the meeting of the Security Council of the Russian Federation, the one that approved, de facto approved the, 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 the war a few days before the, the Russian attack. And it was very clear there that term uh, inner circle in case of Vladimir Putin has to be rethought because he, he really keeps distance from almost everyone. The, the people in the Security Council were informed for the first time what was going on. He said that he was not discussing that with, with them. So what that also means is that there is no clear potential successor and, and no person who just in position to, to, to place himself or herself as, as, as a possible, possible successor. And uh, what I foresee is uh, something uh, akin to what we saw in this uh, film, The Death of Stalin, uh, for those of you, the, the listeners who watched it. So there will be, there will be a, a group of quite, quite weak leaders who are positioning themselves and jerking for power, but there will be, there will be a, a, a certain pause um, because in terms of, of that kind of policy, because that policy, despite the, beyond the fact that it, it, it threatens to destroy Ukraine, it threatens to destroy the, the, the international order, it's also not good for Russia, uh, no matter way how you look at Russia's interests. And I don't think that that kind of a po policy is sustainable after the current uh, Russian's leader is gone. Professor, I want to thank you so much for joining us on Krenitsia today. Well, uh, you're most welcome. Thanks again for your invitation. I have been speaking with 
Professor Serhii Plohi, who is the director of the Harvard Ukrainian Research Institute about the war in Ukraine. And this episode has been produced for the Ukrainian Weekly, a newspaper that has been covering the global Ukrainian community since 1933. And I'm Mike Burek, your host and producer of Krenitsya. And until next time, that's all for now. <laughs>